Hello, this is Nick Augustine here with attorney Mark Scroggins of Scroggins Family Law in Dallas, Texas, serving Dallas, Collin, and Denton counties. Today we're talking about temporary orders hearings in divorce, child custody, and other family law matters. We're going to talk about what you may expect to be prepared and how to be prepared for a temporary orders hearing, starting with what are temporary orders in divorce and family law matters, when will the temporary orders hearing take place, and how do I prepare, what happens if there are issues com with complying with the temporary orders? And what are the differences in temporary orders hearings among our several different counties, such as Dallas, Collin, and Denton counties? Mark Scroggins is board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization and is an aggressive and experienced trial attorney practicing in Dallas, Collin, and Denton counties. This is a general information program. This program is not legal advice. Let's say good morning to Mark Scroggins. Hey, Nick. How you doing? I'm doing well and hoping that we keep power on with the big storms that are coming through. Exactly. Yeah, there are. Uh, hey, if it uh, blows things out for a little bit and we can get in the 80s for a short period of time, I'm all about it. There we go. Well, you know what I heard this morning? I heard a, a commercial for back to school sales and that is coming up really soon. And there are many people out there who, you know, different times of the year are big popular times to file for divorce. Right. And different uh, custody and family law cases. Right. Uh, January being one. And as many people say, towards the end of summer, when people go back to school. Right. So in a family law and divorce and family law case, we talk about the temporary orders hearing. Some people hear about that. They say, okay. I generally understand it's a temporary hearing at the beginning of the case, but that's about all many people know. So right. we're going to talk about what <clears throat> to expect there. So let's start right out with what are temporary orders in divorce and family law matters. Sure. Temporary orders, you're going to either agree to them typically or you're going to have a hearing. I mean, every great once in a while, a case isn't necessary to, you know, doesn't call for the, the necessity of, of temporary orders, but those cases are are pretty few and far between they are typically not the cases that that I get hired on although it uh, it happens uh, every once in a while so at a temporary order hearing there are a whole lot of different moving parts that go on uh, in a divorce case I mean you've got the kid issues with kid issues you've got conservatorship and possession and access you also have uh, the division of the marital estate well Temporary order hearing doesn't have anything to do with the division of the marital estate. It is related to the kid issues, but it is also related to who's going to live where and who's going to pay what. So at a temporary order hearing, you are going to have a judge that is going to make a determination of temporary conservatorship for the kids. So remember that in Texas, the presumption is that parents should be named joint managing conservators. Now, that doesn't have... That doesn't mean joint time or equal time. That just means that you're going to have some joint decision-making responsibility related to the kids. Then the court is also going to make a determination along with those rights and duties and the allocation of same. And if they're exclusive, independent, or requiring the agreement or notice to the other party, they're also going to make a determination of say, who's going to live in the marital, marital residence, who's going to pay child support, what's the amount of the child support. Uh, is there going to be temporary spousal support paid? Temporary spousal support is different than spousal maintenance, which is also different than alimony. They're all related, but they're all different. Um, so, you, you know, we could have a show just on that and what the differences are. And now, I mean, all that is changing also with alimony, uh, with the Trump tax cuts, because the alimony... Uh, tax break is going away as of January 1, 2019. So um, 
as a, you know, as a family law practitioner, frankly, I hate to see that uh, because that is something that I used an awful lot of the time in taking care of liquidity issues for, for one side. Hmm. Um, and it's palatable a lot of times to the other side because they were getting a dollar for dollar reduction to their adjusted gross income. So, you know, it's a hell of a lot easier to stomach that right. <laughs> if, if you're having to, you know, pay your former spouse and uh, getting a little money, you know, getting a little credit for it as compared to you're just cutting a check and you got nothing. Right. So, so that was kind of, you know, just vomiting on the, uh, it was <laughs> on it the, yeah, I mean, so a temporary order has a lot of, has a lot of stuff that, that goes on into it. And the problem that we have is our courts in North Texas are so busy. They are so overworked that, um, you run into time constraints. So, not every county has a rule like Collin County does, which is 20 minutes per side. Um, but, you know, it's not quite like the olden days where, you know, you went down and you would have a temporary order hearing that could basically be a mini trial that might last for two days. You know, it just doesn't happen like that. So generally, you're going to get some sort of time constraints uh, depending on the docket that you get on. So like... Uh, Denton County, for example, has an under under an hour uh, docket in most courts, and uh, but you can get you can get more than that, uh, and frequently do. You know, so uh, Dallas, if you explain to the temper or to the uh, associate judge that you're going to need more time because of the the issues that are involved there, you know, you can generally get that, including getting a special set. Now, one of the other things that is different with Dallas County and uh, makes it real expensive for people is the associate judges don't have court reporters. So what does that mean? And what is the effect of that? That means that if you want a record of what people actually testified to, which you absolutely do, you have to provide your own court reporter. And so you are paying for that court reporter to be there, which is going to, you know, let's say you've got I don't know, three, four hour deal going on. Uh, you know, that's a grant. Uh, and then let's say that you have the audacity to actually want a copy of the transcript, of the transcript right. you know, there's another grant, yeah, right. you know, so, uh, so that's, that's the, uh, the problem with, with Dallas there. Uh, you don't run into that problem with the, with, you know, Denton or Colin and, you know, Taryn even, you know, their AJs have, uh, have court reporters. You still have to pay for a transcript, obviously. Um, but that's kind of a, a basic on what, what transpires at a temporary order hearing. So think of it, a mini trial that is put through a funnel, you know, so it is hit, hit the highlights. Yeah. Hit the highlights through a funnel. I like that. That's, yeah. that's good. So how soon can we expect this? You mentioned that the courts are very busy. We understand right. that. Um, if someone's filing, someone comes in here today, meets with you, says they want to proceed, they want to get going. How soon can they possibly get in? You know, it's going to depend on whether or not they need a temporary restraining order. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if, if they need a temporary restraining order and remember that the courts now for quite a while, uh, have been putting standing orders into place and those standing orders were put into place to basically take away the necessity of a temporary restraining order being filed in every case. It's, it's only going to be required where, you know, there are certain things out of the norm. If you're trying to kick somebody out of the house, you know, and it's not just because I don't like him or I don't like her. I mean, you have to have a reason to be able to go and get it. 
Um, so if there's been family violence, you know, if there's been family violence, you also could look at an ex parte protective order. Mm -hmm. So anyway, to get back to that. So if you need a temporary restraining order, your hearing is going to happen within two weeks. Okay. Because a temporary restraining order, uh, dissolves pursuant to, you know, just by operational law, uh, within 14 days, if it's not renewed. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it can be renewed once. So generally 14 days at the most 28 days in, in that scenario. Uh, otherwise it just really depends on the individual court. I mean, I've had some where I can still get in, you know, within two weeks that, you know, and they're pretty efficient. Now you might get bumped, uh, again. Uh, and then I've had others where, you know, the quickest I could get in was six weeks. So it just, it's a crapshoot. It depends on what County you're in and what court you draw. Can I clarify something? When you mentioned the, whether you need a restraining order, right? Are you is that when we think of the standing orders? Is that what we're meaning? We're saying the same things. Pretty close, but I mean, you're going to have additional additional requests that are not within the standing orders, or it should be. Now, there are still lawyers that will file a temporary restraining order that has. Absolutely nothing different in it than what are, what are in the standing orders just to try to push, you know, get a hearing within 14 days. Right. I don't think most mm -hmm. courts generally are very appreciative of that. Right. Um, it's like saying there's an emergency when there's not really an emergency. Well, that's exactly what it's doing. I mean, so, you know, the, <laughs> the standard for a temporary restraining order is that somebody has to be restrained because they're basically because there is an emergency. You know, what, why do you have to have somebody restrained? Oh, well, somebody's, you know, going to get either someone is in harm's way or the prop certain properties in harm's way. So if you've got, here's an example of something that is kind of covered, but you know, not word for word. Let's say that you've got, let's say that I'm representing a woman who has been a stay at home mom. Okay. And dad has been a high wage earner and a lot of the high, or let me just say he's highly compensated. So he's getting a high salary, but let's say also like what happens in a lot of cases, he's got a ton of stock options. Okay. And let's say that he has made a determination that he wants to get into some other investment. Let's say he wants to make a purchase of a a multifamily unit, in other words, an apartment complex. Mm -hmm. All right. And the way he plans on doing that is he wants to go in and exercise a ton of stock options. Okay. Once he has been served with something, the standing orders kind of prohibit that kind of, because you also have language in there that says you can do stuff that is operating, you know, your normal, normal course of business. Okay. Uh, ordinary course of business. So is that ordinary course of business? Well, maybe, I mean, if they set up a, another LLC and that's what he's buying the, the, uh, that's what he does. That's what he does. Right. Or even if, you know, it's a side business, it's a business that he's doing. So kind of, <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so, you know, he shouldn't just be exercising for the hell of it. Um, but that is a situation where I would go and get a temporary restraining order and ask that, you know, we don't approve of this, all these, you know, these, these funds that are going to be utilized off of the, uh, the, the stock options, you know, are all community property. So he is just exercising dominion over these going ahead and doing it and putting money here. And we don't want to be strapped to that. So that would be a situation where 
you know, where I would go in and, and ask for a temporary restraining order that they be prohibited from exercising those options. That makes absolute sense. Otherwise, the standing orders, are mm -hmm. those applicable in all the cases? Well, standing orders are applicable. They have to be attached to the first pleading of both parties. Okay, so they're applicable in every case. Now, there are certain certain ones that apply and certain that don't apply throughout. So there are some that are specific to divorce cases, and there's some that are not. So prohibitions against changing, you know, changing certain beneficiaries on life insurance policies, uh, you know, or moving, uh, doing some stuff with some different uh, um, credit cards or other financial accounts are not going to be applicable in a modification suit. Okay. Um, health insurance would be, but, uh, but some of these others are not. Okay. So there's a lot there. There's there is, <laughs> there is <laughs> my next question. What about witnesses? Because I'm thinking that one of, I mean, divorce, custody, right. it's stressful. It's emotional. Yep. If I'm a parent and I'm getting ready for a temporary orders hearing, right. I am ultimately concerned if I've got kids, right. What's going to go on there? Right. Are, are we bringing witnesses? Most of the time. Most of the time, I mean, because here's here's the problem that you run into. Um, if you do not have other witnesses, you've got a pure he said, she said, you know, and sometimes I mean, sometimes that's all you got. So that sometimes that's what you've got to deal with. Uh, but typically you want to bring other witnesses. Now, what a lot of people are doing, well, great, I'm going to bring my sister and my mom and my dad. And guess what? Everybody knows what family is going to say. Yeah, right. You know, They're if you want to bring the other party's sister, who's going to say, no, 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 please don't put the kids with, with her or with him. You know, that's a good witness. Mm -hmm. Disinter disinterested, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Third parties are going to generally are going to have um, more weight because they don't really have an ax to grind. So if you've got... The child's teacher who's going to talk about how involved you have been with the child at school and they've never seen the other parent, that's a good witness. If you've got, uh, you know, someone that has the head of the PTA that's going to talk about, you know, your involvement with the school or the principal who's going to talk about that or someone with the doctor's office or dentist's office or orthodontist's office or, you know, if they're psychiatric or psychological issues, the psychologist or psychiatrist who's going to say that this parent is the one who always brought the child. This is the parent who was always involved. I've never met, you know, whoever. Uh, that's good. Those are fantastic, you know, pieces of evidence to show uh, a party's involvement. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't take away that, you know, a lot of the time, if you've got someone that is a stay-at-home parent, uh, you know, there's been an agreement that has been made between the parties that, uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to provide and you're going to basically manage the household. They've kind of divvied it up like two other jobs. And I think there are, there are certain courts that are beginning to see that a little bit more and not penalize someone for not making every doctor's appointment or dentist appointment that's during the day when this person, you know, is the one that is bringing home the bacon, so to speak. You know, and, and so that's that's different. I think that is that is beginning to change a little. And that's good. I mean, so they show the other parents involvement in other ways. So 
let's talk, see if they're in, uh, involved in sports. So whoever is coaching Johnny's football team and they're, or just at all the football games or, you know, Darla's competitive cheer or, you know, all of these types of things. So you're seeing what the party's involvement is in other things like that. Now, if you've still got, if you've still got that other party who basically is not, you know, just isn't involved, they show up every great once in a while, you know, you can, the writing's on the wall as to what the court's going to do, unless you've got some really strange facts that are going to, that are going to change that. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're focusing on custody and we're in, let's say we're in Frisco, we're in right. Collin County, um, or the Denton County side of Frisco. Right. Well, mm-hmm. so if you're in Collin, you got 20 minutes. Correct. And you got a custody issue. When are you going to find the time to talk about all the other things, the laundry list, if you will, of what else might be addressed at a temporary order hearing? Well, you do things a couple of different ways. I mean, I, I prepare something that is uh, called a requested relief, which is what, you know, what my client is actually actually asking the court to do. And that's a just a demonstrative piece of, ev- not really evidence, a demonstrative piece that the court can look at. Okay, mm-hmm. It's offered as a summary of testimony. Mm-hmm. Gives the judge something to do there. So what the, I mean, you have to really get good at learning how to make everything short and sweet. I mean, you get on there and you hit the highlights. I mean, it's, it's the Cliff's notes version of something. And I understand why it's done. I think it is a bad decision. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, there, there are plenty of cases that 20 minutes are, is fine. I just wish there was more flexibility. Um, but I understand why there's not a lot because I mean, I think they, you know, get caught in the idea. Well, if we're flexible on one case, we have to be flexible on every case. And, um, and I, I understand that. And that makes, that makes perfect sense. However, not all cases are created equal. You know, if you've got something where there are, you know, psychological issues and, you know, just allegations of abuse. And so you've got to have experts testify. I think you run the risk of doing a real disservice to the litigants and specifically to the kids. And so I would like to see, I would like to see a little bit of leeway given, but I'm, I really don't see that. What I have seen, and this is, it's good in one way, but it's scary in another is I've seen uh, judges allow the lawyers to really lead their part, lead their, uh, lead their witnesses. And then what you end up with is the lawyers testifying. Right, exactly. You know, and that's, I understand why you're doing it because you're trying to fit it into, um, you know, you're trying to fit it into this uh, 20 minute per side rule. But, you know, <laughs> you're supposed to hear from the litigants. You're not hearing from the lawyers. So it's, uh, it, it makes it easy for everybody else, but it also takes away from what the adversarial process is. Right. You know, and I think about a, a lot of younger attorneys who, that's the best way to say this, might get taken advantage of or maybe beat up in court a little bit by an experienced opposing counsel right. who, you know, railroads them and tries to take more of the time and keeps jumping around with issues. And so you see a lot of these, ty- you know, you say frequently, when you've got serious issues, you need to hire the best lawyer you can find. And we right. talk about board certification, right. you know, pretty often. And um, you know, that's not just an accolade and a you know thing to feel special about. It really does matter. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's huge. I mean, you know, you've got somebody that has 
you know, sharpen their chops <laughs> quite well, quite you, a bit over years and years uh, of practice. I mean, you have to go through a lot of hoops in order. You can't just go sit down and say, hi, I want to take the family law board certification exam. Right, right. You have to be able to qualify for that. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, you have to have been practicing at least five years, and they're very, you know, they're not a lot of people that take it right at five. Um, you know, and it has to have been a, the majority of your practice and you have to have had a certain number of jury trials and other trials mm-hmm. and other hearings and mediations and appeals and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, and that's just to get to the point of being able to qualify to sit for the exam. And then you take the exam, which is, you know, no cakewalk either. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and then you have to requalify every five years. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot yeah. there. So it is important, though. So let's talk about what happens if you have your you go through your temporary orders hearing. I suppose everyone who walks away from one of those says, "I think that one is best as it could." Um, we'll see how this works. You know, I don't know. Some people might say, "I don't know." My my soon to be ex is going to be obstreperous, and they're going to thumb their nose at this order, and they're going right. to you know say, "I'm going to make you take me back into court." You know, just to make them spend money and people right. do that sometimes. So what if you got someone who just is fit to be tied and they're just not going to comply with these temporary orders and you need to either enforce them, modify them. And again, you just brought up appeals. I love appeals. We don't mm-hmm. hear enough about appeals. Well, and that's one thing that's, that is unique with, uh, with Dallas and Tarrant counties because the, the person who is initially going to hear the temporary order uh, hearing is an associate judge. And so because of that, you've got the right to, within three days, file for a de novo appeal, meaning you're starting all over again to the district court. And how many days? Three days. So you've got a three-day window. So you go down to Dallas, you have a you know big blowout temporary order, you get some funky ruling that you're saying that is insane. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so you've got three days. And then, so you file your, your, uh, your appeal to the district court, uh, and then you get to go do that temporary order hearing all over again. Mm-hmm. Now here's, here's, <laughs> here's what makes that really interesting. Maybe you don't get a date for two months. Um, restraining order. So <laughs> it, it opens the door nice. for a whole lot of different things. Ooh. And, um, <laughs> you know, so you need to, you need to think. Think, think, think whether or not you want to spend the money to do that. Because, you know, I've had plenty where the district court has has overturned the ruling of the associate judge. Mm. Um, you know, I've seen plenty of others where I think that they have, uh, district court has protected their associate judge mm-hmm. on, on a ruling that I've gone, mm, yeah, I don't, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But you need to, that's where you also need to know who you're in front of and know what their, you know, his or her propensities are in certain situations and related to certain issues. Mm-hmm. Wow. Lots to deal with. What yeah. about settling? One of the things that we've talked about, we've discussed these issues before mm-hmm. is trying to settle as much as we can before going in there. So we're not spinning our wheels on something that's not going to be a point of contention. Well, I mean, I'm always of the opinion that if the parties can reach a resolution without the necessity of going in there, you know, and starting the mudslinging, that's going to be better for the kids and that's going to be better for them. But that doesn't, um, that doesn't mean that you allow yourself to be walked over. And there Mm -hmm. are certain times where you just can't do that. Okay. So from a strategic standpoint, so 
if you are making an argument, and this is where, you know, the lawyer needs to be real clear with, with their client that, um, <laughs> whether or not they've got a realistic shot of, uh, of custody based on any one of a number of issues, you know, their actions, the other party's actions, special needs, any one of those. But if you're, if you are making a run at custody and you are trying to obtain that at final trial, it is very difficult, I think, to overcome an agreement at the temporary orders that the other, the other party is going to be primary. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you, how do you go in and explain that to say, uh, well, I thought at that time that that was in the kid's best interest or, oh, I was just doing that to save some money. I really want this. It, it just doesn't, it's a, it's a bad argument. So, I mean, so you're kind of stuck there. If you are, if you are making an attempt that you be named the managing conservator who has the right to establish the primary domicile of the kids, I don't think you really have a choice but to go forward on that. The only, you know, there might be certain situations where doing a 50-50 would would open that up. But I mean, typically you just don't see that a lot, you know, don't see that a lot where people are coming or I don't anyway, those are typically not the cases <coughs> that I get hired on. I generally get hired on things where it's a fight, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, and if that's the case, you got to do what you got to do. How long are, when we look at these temporary orders right. again, till we get to the point of final trial, right? We're talking a good amount of time sure. too. So, so what, what else can we do? Sometimes you can go back and ask for further temporary orders. I mean, so, um, you know, has what, what's changed? I mean, what's different, you know? Um, and it could be nothing or it could be a whole lot of stuff, you know, Billy's acting out and, you know, uh, we saw that coming. Yeah, exactly. Because or, you don't know. Right. And, and there could be any one of a number of different issues. So there are certain circumstances where you absolutely want to go back and ask for, uh, want to ask for further, further temporary orders, or you need to get something amended. I mean, I've had modifications where, you know, the litigation has lasted years on stuff. And as time has gone on and a parent has spent more and more time in counseling and doing other, you know, mental health related things, the amount of time that he or she has increases, you know, and sometimes, Sometimes the other parent agrees to that. And sometimes the other parent wants to do everything he or she can do to stand in the way of doing that. And so it necessitates going back to going back to the court. Even if the judge has said, you know, (laughs) you can see what my thought pattern is unless there is something that really goes astray here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, another thing that we didn't talk about really today was the age of the child. Right. You know, cause when you talk about fighting over a lot of these things and if the kid's a sophomore in high school already, mm-hmm. you know, by the time you get done litigating this stuff, the kid's going to be out on going to college, you know? So, right. and what if they're, you know, what if they're aged, what if they're 12 years old? Is a judge going to take into contempt? Are they going to listen to the kid in a temporary orders hearing? Well, by statute, the court has to listen to the kid, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that the court has to agree with the kid right. or has to do what the kid is asking. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is, um, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before you used to have what's called an affidavit of choice and, and it bounced all over the pl- place with age. It was at 14, then 12, then 10, then back at 12. And what everybody found was that it was too easily manipulated. Okay. So, so now you've got something that if a child is 12 years of age and you know, the issue of, 
primary conservatorship is in play, the court's going to, you know, going to interview the kid. Okay. Now the age is the, is the child 12? Is the child 10? Okay. Doesn't have to interview the kid at, at 10, but depending on the maturity level of the kid, the judge may. Okay. If the kid is 16, the court is probably going to take that into consideration a little bit more. Um, but it all depends. I mean, you know, the, the parent of the 16 year old might be, uh, you know, on the same emotional level as that 16 year old kid and the judge going, I don't care that this, this kid wants to sit with dad and, you know, play Halo three, you know, till all hours of the morning, you know, I don't think like, am I really listening? Exactly. Exactly. And that's where, you know, you just, you got to, once again, you got to know your audience. So there's a Halo 3. Okay, I didn't know. That's I'm guessing. I've never played <laughs> any know, of those. I, so. I missed that whole video game. I'm that like Gen, that Gen X are like right there in between it also. <laughs> so many issues. That, so I, you know, and for people also, we I like to remember that there are people who do come to Texas all the time from other states, right? Where their temporary orders and their situation that they do may be different. Texas does differently from other states, and Texas right. takes temporary orders seriously. Oh, no I question. think that's the one thing that we can conclude from all this is texas takes temporary orders seriously preparing for temporary orders hearing is serious having a serious lawyer is a prerequisite yeah absolutely absolutely people want to get in touch with you and talk more unless you have anything the final thoughts you know um trying to condense condense everything there is about temporary orders into 20 or 30 minutes is a little bit like drinking from a fire hose so there's no way that you're going to get it all and retain it all so you know reach out we're you know, our phones are answered 24 seven. So you can get us in our Dallas office at 214-469-3100. You can email me directly at mark at scrogginsfamilylaw.com. Uh, you know, just call or email and, uh, we can set up a time to get together and talk about what is currently going on and how best to solve your issues. All right. Well, once again, I've enjoyed this podcast interview with Mark Scroggins. This is Nick Augustine here at Scroggins Family Law in Dallas. We thank you all for your time and do ask you if you find compelling uh, content in our programs and on the website and social media to please share that. Uh, you know, it's always nice to let a friend or neighbor. I mean, I get calls from people all the time. It's out of the blue. Hey, I need a lawyer. This, I mean, just ha you know, happens frequently. Um, you know, the more that we put this out there, the more we can help other people when they need good legal counsel because people's lives matter and their friends, they call, they need a good lawyer, you know, so that's why we put out information for people to learn. We'll be back next uh, month. And absolutely. Uh, that's, uh, it's been my pleasure. Mark, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it.